Is cryptos the new gold? No, but it sounds good and it makes for good headlines. Gold dropped, then came back, then dropped again, then came back. An interesting week in the gold space. We'll get Mr. Hodge's analysis on that. We're going to talk mental health. We're going to talk the Trumpster. Mr. Hodge, did you know Mr. Trump had a blog? We'll get into it. I am Gerardo Del Real, along with my co-host, Mr. Nick Hodge. This is episode 120 of Bizarro World. Nick, how are you today? Did you did you take in Mr. Trump's blog for the month it existed? I didn't know he had a blog. <laughs> I did not take it in, uh, though I assumed he was doing something somewhere <laughs> since he's not on the uh, Twitter anymore, right? Well, he's going to be president in August again. You didn't hear he's getting reinstated according to I, his closest aides. I took it <laughs> like I took like all the end of the world prophecies of recent memory. Uh, how are you, Nick? How are things? I'm doing good. Things are good. How are you? Excellent. I am well. I am fully healed from... My vasectomy tenderness that lasted a few days. And uh, no, excited to be back on the saddle, as they say. Um, everything, in and out, as it were. In and out, as it were. You got it, sir. Um, no, I am well. Listen, um, a lot to get to, so let's get to it. Everything's still awesome. Acid bubbles are still inflating. The S&P rose on Friday, closed out a winning week. It's near a record high again. Um did you hear about the sculpture that sold for $18,000? I didn't. Is it a real one or an NFT? Oh, no. It's um, it's it's quite interesting, actually. I will put the link up on the podcast because it is a sculpture that's invisible, Nick. Hmm. <laughs> and somebody tweeted... Otherwise known as fucking nothing. <laughs> so it's a box. It's a glass box. And there's nothing in it. And it's being called. I'm not making this up. I swear to you. It's being called the world's first immaterial sculpture. And it comes with a certificate of guarantee, which is the only physical element of the sculpture. <laughs> Except the glass box, right? An immaterial sculpture. It's echo conscious, Nick. It's got a carbon uh, footprint of net zero. <laughs> it's like Schrodinger's sculpture, <laughs> I suppose. Who bought it? <laughs> Let's see who bought it. Uh, well, let me give you the title first. It's titled, I Am. And it was auctioned by Artright, which is one of the rare Italian auction houses um, that typically handle like exhibitions that are dedicated to contemporary art. Um, <laughs> Whatever I say I am. If I wasn't, then why would I say I am? Slim Shady was on to something. Slim Shady was on to something. I, I, I don't know who bought it. Uh, I, 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 I wish the person well, though I suspect the person, him or her, or they is doing very well to spend $18,000 on <laughs> nothing. Anyhow, 
Back to the market. So gold closed at 1892. Silver still flirting with 28, closed at 2779. Copper dip, dipped below 450 at 448. Um, oil, all, almost $70 a barrel, 69.34. Thoughts on the commodities market, Nick? Still inflating higher. Mm. I mean, that's the trend. Uh, uh, oil, we've had a trade on in foundational profits. I'll start talking in my book immediately since. Uh, late November, early December uh, in the XLE fund and then in the producers fund, the XOP. And it's been doing really well. I know you wanted to talk copper. Lots of projects work at uh, $4. The world uh, needs a lot of copper. I think copper looks really good starting off the month of June, just like it started off the month of May. But then uh, it went higher after that. And no, I think a commodity a bull market is... is Still on. Uranium included? Uranium included for sure. Can't get a pullback to uh, save my life. I'm trying to make an entry into another stock or two. And yeah, they just don't pull back at all. I mean, financing's getting closed, a deal's getting done, you know, Sprott about to come on here in a big way. And so um, I think that includes uranium as well. What did I wake up to today? Something very symbolic. I think there were um, your friend, Mr. Gates, is building a nuclear plant in Wyoming on top of an old coal plant. And so, yeah, uranium as well. Bill Gates and uh, your friend, Mr. Buffett. That's it. <laughs> Cohorts. Do you know a company that could possibly supply that uranium in Wyoming? Uh, well, I do for sure. <laughs> I know a couple, in <laughs> fact, but yeah. Yeah, well, subscribe, everyone. You're not getting that one for free this early in the free podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Any thoughts on gold, Nick? I mean, I know, uh, you know, obviously, it, it, it if you look at it from a weekly perspective, not much actually happened except that it looked for a moment that we might be down in the low 1800s again, but then it rebounded beautifully on a softer-than-expected jobs report. You mentioned that, you know, there's a lot of copper projects that work at $4 copper and my brain being the way my brain goes, um, you know, that immediately brings to mind that it's going to take a good seven to 10 years for meaningful new supply to really come on board. Right. And so you have a situation, multiple situations, actually, I believe one in which we started to get into off air with your truck, but um, where you're looking to build on your property and you shared an email with me earlier in the week that I'm comfortable sharing here on the podcast where every line item it seemed that you needed to get your project done was six months out, nine months out. We don't know how far out. And so when we talk about these bull markets for everybody out there, these are sustainable bull markets. Copper isn't going to $2 or $3 a pound anytime soon. Um, can, you, can you share that story of that email? Because I, 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 I'm aware, I'm starting to see it. I saw it at Starbucks today. I, I went to go get a coffee here right after my workout. And my phone, my app said, due to supply shortages, some of your menu options may not be available for an undetermined amount of time at Starbucks. And so the, the, the supply chain issues that we're having are very, very real and very, very consequential. Um, you want to share your story, Nick? Yeah, you asked about gold first. Yep. Um, gold pulled back 
below 1900. It wasn't above it for long. Last week we were talking about playing peekaboo with a 1900. In fact, had a bit of a, uh, I guess a pullback, if you want to call it that, uh, 1860, 1870 uh, in gold. And then, um, I don't know, today, the day we record the podcast Friday, was sort of wonky. Rates sort of uh, pulled back quite quickly. And so that's why gold was able to, to go back up fast. Where it goes from here, I don't know that... Uh, the way rates acted today was was weird, and so I don't have an answer yet, uh, honestly. And on the supply chain stuff, there's a ton of stuff going on there, and to talk about. I mean, we honestly could talk the rest of the podcast about it because you got to talk about uh, transitory inflation and mm. is that uh, you know supply chain related and um, labor, people getting uh, being able to to hire enough labor to do things, and you have to talk about. Uh, factory restarts, things that were idled because of, of COVID that are that are now restarting. And so it remains to be seen in some respects uh, how short or long-lived these um, shortages, I guess we can call them, are going to last. There was, um, and we've mentioned this a couple of times, a canal blocked for a while. <laughs> everyone forgets about And there was a bunch of uh, ships anchored off the coast of uh, California, the port of Long Beach, which, of course, you know, takes the bulk of the uh, goods from Asia for the U.S. And so that had a lot of, you know, materials and shipping containers uh, just staging off the coast. And uh, I'll just throw some more recent news items at you, I guess, is, you know, the past two years have also been records for losing containers at sea. And so mm. um, we're losing a lot of cargo as well for some reason um but somehow so drugs are still readily available nick <laughs> <laughs> no drugs shortage there <laughs> we'll see you know it's like porn they always get it figured out first and so they've already navigated the supply chain challenges of, of post-covid reemergence right everyone i know that gets high has still been high <laughs> dvd and vhs and blu-ray anyhow sorry to interrupt you know the norm <laughs> <laughs> no, that's funny. And so, yeah, I mean, we're putting uh, a pool in at the house. And like you said, everything you need for it is uh, delayed. And so work has been uh, delayed on the pool as they finish up other projects. Uh, you know, it's a compounding effect, right? And so they're trying to order things as soon as possible. But yeah, like you said, um, a plant material shortage, literally of, you know, sapling trees and bushes and things for landscaping was in the email. Cement. Um, both, uh, you know, poured cement that you would get like delivered in a truck and finished cement product uh, products like, you know, pavers and things like that. PVC and poly for uh, piping and tubing and, you know, all that stuff was, uh, you know, either uh, developing, uh, emerging or a current shortage of supply. And so, you know, I don't know how it all plays out, but it's a very real thing. And so, you just got to get ahead of it. And so, you know, it's like you actually you got to do uh, work and, and, you know, follow up with people. I'm just talking about if you're doing a project or certainly if you're in that business, obviously, you know about it. But, um, yeah, it's a real thing. Like um, I'll give you another example. It's in the it's in the car business and it relates to the this relates more to the reopening. I think people going on vacation and getting back at it. Uh, certainly traffic in the past week has been the greatest it's been, I think, in the past year for me. And so I had to get a rental car this week and um, Enterprise picked me up, just like they say in the commercials. But they, brought me, <laughs> they brought me back to the Enterprise store and they and they had no cars, 
literally none. And so they knew damn well when they picked me up, they had no cars. And they obviously didn't <laughs> mention it until we got back to the enterprise place. But anyway. Um, Did you tell them, hey, motherfucker, you don't have any cars? <laughs> no, no, not. I, I'm not like that initially. Um, I always initially you know, give, give the benefit of the doubt. And so, you know, I said, fine, I'll go to work. You know, whatever. I'll come back at the end of the day. And so um, they gave me a ride to work. It was only five minutes away. And oh, that's nice. Now we're really off topic. But anyway, um, I worked all day and I went back there at the end of the day and I called because like you say, like I just said, you got to like double check everything nowadays, right? So I called and said, hey, I'm on my way to, to pick up a car. And they say, well, you don't have any cars. And I say, well, you got to get me a car, man. I got to go home, you know, I'm supposed to be there at nine. And he said, well, all we have is a truck. It's going to be $150 a day. And I said, no, it's not. And, you know, it goes from there. But anyway, you know, he says, okay, we can pull some strings and you don't got to pay for it. And I say, cool, I'll see you in 20 minutes. And so anyway, there's like a shortage of, of rental cars and everything. And so I don't know why he asked me that, but it's, it's very real. And so just a, a word to the wise or a word of caution, I guess, is, uh, Dot your eyes and cross your T's if you got projects and I don't know, follow up and try to get your stuff as early as possible. And if you plan on traveling, my I have a cousin who's got a friend in Houston and she wanted to fly out here to Austin to visit. And this was two weeks ago. And, and she had to postpone the trip because she went to book her ticket when she went to go look for a car. There were zero vehicles available. And so she had to wait two and a half weeks for the rental car company to make a vehicle available to her. So that she was Same able to drive. Yeah. I mean, so it's not just Washington State. It's not just Texas. Um, these are shortages that are happening across the supply chain, which, you know, it, it happens to coincide with the DOJ, the Department of Justice, um, warning CEOs of companies to prepare for what they describe as an exponential increase in ransomware attacks, right? And we had one of the largest meat producers that shut down earlier this week. We talked last week about the hacks. It seems like there's hacks happening left and right. And these are just the ones that are being discussed publicly, right? I'm sure there's several behind the scenes that that, that people are paying to cover up. But um, yeah, definitely check in and, and double check and triple check because I don't think this is a short-term um, problem. I, I think it's something that persists. You had an interesting week, Nick, because I also asked you about your truck. And for those of you that follow the podcast, everyone knows Nick bought himself. And, and and Nick, I don't think will mind me saying this, but Nick is relatively frugal. He's a very, you know, uh, conservative spender. Is that accurate, Nick? I think so. Yes. Italian Italian grandparents, Italian mother. Yeah. Pension pennies for sure. Love it. Love it. And, and, and so... You know, we had a discussion months ago about whether or not you should get a new truck. I said, Nick, you're doing great. You're killing it with the investments, doing well with the publishing company. The website's doing great. Um, treat yourself to a new truck. It, it, it's not very significant, you know, in the, in the larger scheme of things, but it'll be comfortable for you every day. And so, of course, Nick gets a new truck and it ends up being a lemon and he's been fighting this fight for months on end. And so I understand that came to a conclusion this week. Is that is that do we have a. a a finale to that story? So it came to a conclusion and it's an extension of the conversation we just had because it, re it relates to the supply shortage. And now we're really going to take up the whole podcast talking about this because uh, you're going to get me going. So it came to a conclusion in <laughs> December, actually, because um, I think the date was December 15th, if memory serves, or December 12th of something like that, that I could file with the state to um, 
take GM to arbitration to either buy my truck back or replace it. And so I went to the dealer the day before that and they'd been putting me off. Honestly, they'd been gaslighting me. You know, they told me to contact GMC customer care that they couldn't help me. And then once I did that, the dealership said, well, you should have dealt with us, even though I did deal with them before. And they were the ones that told me to contact GM customer care. So there was this whole like song and dance that they got going on. Right. And I had the whole thing documented because again, uh, Italian mother who told me to keep all the receipts and all the yep. forms and write everything down and keep it in a file. And so I had done all that. And so I knew what went down every single time I talked to them. Anyway, so uh, they knew they were going to lose an arbitration. So they agreed to replace my truck on their own. And that was in December, but they couldn't get me a truck until February because why? <laughs> Supply, Supply chain. Yep. Right. And so um, I got my truck in February. Uh, same truck. It's a GMC Sierra, except this was a 2021 instead of a 2020 because there was no 2020s left. Hey. And so um, check engine light comes on in the new one. <laughs> uh, and, you know, I'm starting to not be friendly at this point because this is getting ridiculous. I should have just kept my, you know, my 10-year-old or actually my 14-year-old truck, right? And so if I wanted to be in the shop every other week. And so um, I take it in. They run the codes. It's a long story, Gerard. I'm sorry. They run the codes. Nothing wrong the first time the check engine light comes on. <clears throat> so I keep it. And then uh, two weeks ago, I guess it was, the check engine light comes back on. And I take it in there and I basically, I lose my shit. And on the, the salesman, the sales manager, um, all the way up to like the manager of the dealership. <laughs> Did so, you ask to speak to uh, the manager, Nick? <laughs> Uh, he came <laughs> on his own. Oh, so, so the manager was aware of the six foot three um, gentleman that was less than pleased outside telling the salesperson about it. Yeah, so I had a bit of a Karen moment, I'm not proud to say. But anyway, it's what you got to do because, look, we're on the second truck and it's been over a year. This is what I, anyway, so. Um, is they it, offered is to it Karina? I mean, you're Italian, so is it Karina? That's right. <laughs> Sorry. So they now they offer to replace the truck uh, of their own volition now. So, um, except they're not going to pay. You know, you don't get this the stat the taxes and the fees back. Um, and I would have to you know get a new truck on my own. So what am I going to do now, Gerardo? Because you can't get a new truck and the prices are through the roof. And so um, here's where we're at. And this is sort of. Uh, just a therapy session for the podcast is, you know, I'm content that they offered to buy it back. And so but I won, at least in my mind, right? Like, hey, you fuckers, at least, you know, I proved that was right. <laughs> you offered to buy it back. There's nothing I can do, right? You know, I called to get another truck, another dealership, a brand new one. And it's, you know, six months out if you want it. So, um, you know, what am I going to do, right? Six months out. Oh, yeah. Same with your pool stuff. Exactly. Huh. Oh, and, it, it's, and and generators. I mean, there's another example. So a generator is coming with the pool. They're 31 months out. This is like Generac. You know, that's a stock. And yeah. So, I mean, yeah, 31 months out if you order a generator. Yeah. Or weeks, excuse me, not months. 31 weeks out. Yeah. Insane. It's crazy. Insane. Interesting. Interesting. It's right. a, no resolution, I guess, you know, from a consumer point of view. I'm just going to keep it a couple of years. I think my plan would be to keep my truck a couple of years. If the check engine light comes on, they have to service it for free. And then 
I think once we get a couple of years of electric pickup trucks under our belts, then I'll just, you know, make the switch out to something else I like, right? Yep, and not have to worry about it. Well, mm-hmm. um, yeah, dot your I's and cross your T's out there. And even when you do like Mr. Hodge, sometimes it, it, it ends up being a, a not very comfortable experience, right? That's the lesson in this one, right? Sometimes you got to just move on, I think. That's it. That's it. Speaking of moving on, did you read the story about the young super, superstar tennis player, Naomi Osaka? Um, this past week or two, it's been, it's been an ongoing story with the French open and the withdrawal and, and everything that happened there. Have you followed that at all, Nick? And not the details. I saw that she was refusing to talk to the press for her mental health and the media was seemingly praising her for that. And then I saw she withdrew, but I'm not sure the actual reason for that. So let me hear. Excellent. So Naomi Osaka decided that um, she 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 was going to participate in, in the French Open, but that she wanted to not have to do the press commitments that these superstars end up having to do. Right. And she said, you know, that, that it was in large part due to mental health reasons. And she said, you know, I, I, I want to be accountable. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that any fines, which I'm sure will be substantial, um, will be donated to a mental health charity. And, you know, I just, I don't feel comfortable, um, talking to the media right after, you know, a win or a loss. She said she's very introverted. She said she reached out to the French Open and, you know, that she suffered long bouts of depression since she won her first Grand Slam title in 2018. And so (laughs) the French Open responded by fining her $15,000 and pretty publicly basically telling her, we'll kick you out if you don't do the press circuit. And so she said, okay, I'll raise your $15,000 and you don't have to kick me out. How about I just don't go? And so where she's been praised and I praise her because first things first is your health, whether it's physical, whether it's mental, whatever that is, all the millions in the world isn't going to be enough to cover up having mental health issues or dealing with a physical ailment or whatever the situation may be, a disease, a, a, a prognosis, a diagnosis, whatever it is. So for her to actually say, look, I'll participate. I'll play through this. I just don't want to do the interview portion of it. And for the French Open to respond that way, I I, I, I applaud her for saying, I'm not going to play the game. I'm not going to turn this into a bigger spectacle than it already is. I would just not play in your tournament. Have fun with the ratings, right? Um, and again, let's be clear. She is one, if not the top tennis player in the world. So this is pretty consequential for the French Open. Um, a lot, a lot of, you know, celebrities and, and doctors and, you know, people from all lines of work have, have praised her for having, you know, the courage to put mental health first before a substantial paycheck and before, you know, what is a very important tournament. But I think we're at a point where, you know, corporations have an opportunity here to either do right or really tarnish their image. I don't think that the French Open thought this through when they threatened to expel her. Um, I know Nike thought it through because they're very calculated. They, they immediately said, hey, you know, she, she she's an ambassador for Nike. Um, we completely support her. She could take all the time off. And, and then like everybody kind of piled on, right? There's a meditation app. And this was smart. This made me laugh. That uh, said that it would pay the fine of the tennis pro 
or any tennis pro who skips news conferences in honor of Naomi Osaka and mental health. And so I, I, I thought that was, this is the call map. You've heard of the call map, right, Nick? I sure have. Well, there you go. So the call map said, hey, we applaud her. Keep finding her. We'll pay it. And so, of course, the publicity and advertising dollars that they would have had to, 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 to spend to get the kind of publicity they're getting now, you can't, you can't top it, right? It's, it's been fantastic. So I see the corporate shell game and I see how they're kind of, you know, taking the one thing and making it beneficial for themselves. But I think that through all this, we shouldn't lose sight of the fact that these are just human beings. Yes, they're in the spotlight. Yes, they're compensated very well. They also generate a ton of revenue for these tournaments. You know, people may look and say, well, you know, she made $60 million last year. Yeah, how much did she generate? She didn't get the $60 million just for kicks and just because the corporations wanted to be nice. Um, it's, it's, it's because she's bringing in an audience and she's bringing in the type of dollars that allow for her to make that type of money. So kudos to her. I thought it was worth talking about. I think that, you know, in this country and in many, but look, you know, we're here, um, we don't do as good a job, especially from a corporate perspective, encouraging, encouraging, um, mental health and wellness and, you know, I good for her. Any thoughts on it? I actually do have a, a, a couple of thoughts. I think that um, it's a it's partly a generational thing. I think that, you know, mental health is becoming more accepted, still has a long way to go, obviously, as this incident shows. But, you know, this is a, a young, young lady, right? 23 years old. I just looked it up, born in 1997. And so I talk a bit, you know, generationally about it and that, you know, I think she's part of that generation that's forcing institutions to change and you can relate it to a lot of things actually because and i even relate it to like uh like gender stuff right you hear or at least i hear people say a lot like you know there's so many more uh kids changing their genders or you know say that they're the wrong gender or identify as this or that and i think it's one of those things um where it's just you know becoming more accepted and this generation especially the the younger part of the millennials and 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 certainly the generation that's coming after them are are more prone and apt to uh, do what this young lady just did and so um she's in a position to do so because of all the other money she's made right that you know bowing out of her tournament isn't going to be the uh, end of her career. Um, and so, you know, I think it's, it's generational in, uh, that respect. It wasn't the only drama at the French open either. There was a, another woman <laughs> that was a, arrested as, you know, part of a, a, a rigging investigation. So, uh, all kinds of stuff going on in the bad week uh, for the French open. Oops. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Dumbasses. Yeah. And then you can also talk about, you know, the judging between, um, female athletes and 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 male athletes i was reading another story and sorry to jump all over the place but about the uh college world series and how much interest there is in the a softball the women's softball that they could fill a bigger stadium uh and and, and other things but you know they they won't be given a bigger stadium and uh, the facilities that they play in aren't as nice even though um you know, the ratings that they draw is commensurate with the, with the men's. And, you know, I'm not one of these, um, 
you know, let's make sure everything for every sport is equal. Like go watch the WNBA. Like, you know, if the ratings aren't there, the, the dollars aren't there. I'm a capitalist, but uh, you know, anyway, merit based, uh, right? That's what we've exactly always said. Accountable right. and merit based. If the ladies are bringing in more people, give them a bigger stadium and pay them more. Same for college athletes. Right. And if they're not, then Hey, this is where you fall in the pecking order. It's the way it works. Make it more exciting. Exactly. Right. And so, yeah, those, I guess would be my thoughts on it, but, um, I don't think it's the uh, the end of, of stuff like that, given the, the generational turning that's at hand. We've talked fourth turning many, many, many times. I think um, I, I, I think this is a pretty powerful example of it. Kudos to her. Kudos to her for using her platform in such a positive way and, you know, basically saying I'm not going to be a part of the show um, the way that you want me to be just because of the money. Um, there's things that are more important for her to have that down at 23 years old um, should be commended. Well, yeah. And then I have to look her name up, but then, you know, the Texas valedictorian this week that used her platform to talk about the, you know, the abortion law in Texas. I thought that took a bit of courage as well. So uh, kudos to her as well. These kids are about it, Nick. Yeah, exactly. They, they, they have no issue um, using their platform. Her name was Paxton Smith of Dallas, by the way. Um, and, and, and she was responding to uh, what we talked about it last week, I believe, last week or the week before, about the new bill that you know basically makes it um, to where if, if you even have a conversation with a clergy member, a family member, a friend, and, and you then decide to have an abortion, um, you could get sued for a minimum of $10,000 and they're encouraging private citizens to do it. And so I won't get into it again and rehash it, but we will put a link up to, um, Ms. Pacton Smith, uh, valedictorian at her Dallas high school, had a planned speech, started to do it and said, you know what, there's more important things going on. Um, so yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm encouraged by this generation. I recall having a conversation with a gentleman about two years ago at a conference and he was ranting and raving about, you know, how these kids have no direction and how things are so messed up because of the kids. And, you know, I looked at him, I said, it's interesting that you have that point of view. I said, I actually take the polar opposite viewpoint of that. He's like, what do you mean? And I'm like, well, it's kind of your generation that really started fucking everything up. If you think about it, right when y'all started turning 20 and 25 and 30 and getting in positions of power, it was that generation that made, you know, the corporate culture that we have now and, and, and you know, the perversion of capitalism that we have now, because what we're doing right now is it isn't capitalism. You're buying an air sculpture, a box with nothing in it for $18,000. <laughs> um, you know, uh, AMC is raising, you know, what they raise half a billion dollars or something, $400 million on a Reddit squeeze. You can't make this stuff up. And so, you know, my, 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 my point to that gentleman was I'm, I'm actually hopeful that these younger kids have such a disdain for the way that things have been done that they'll completely turn it on its head and 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 really build new ways, better ways to do things. Um, and and look, so far so good. Um, it, it's not perfect. There's a lot of work to do, obviously. But you know, as somebody that turns 43 this year and and has been fortunate enough to to to, to make a decent living and and be able to help, I I I I, I am looking forward to helping enable um, a lot of these young kids and young men and women. Um, run with those ideas because that's always the goal, right? Have the next generation do better than us. 
Gonna build it on the blockchain. That's it. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> Make it an NFT and sell it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what else is going on in the world? The Trumpster got himself banned for two years starting January the 7th, effective January 7th. Uh, what happened the day before? Everybody knows. Uh, the Capitol riots, the insurrection, of which more than 500 people have now been charged. There were apparently 800 people there, meaning that anybody that tells you that most of the people at the Capitol that day were tourists are either liars or very, very ignorant. That's These are just facts, people. This is, Of course, everybody's um, innocent until proven guilty, we say, in this country, but I did see the video, and there were a lot of guilties. I can tell you that much. I don't have to be a, a prosecutor or a judge to gather that from the videos that I saw, and I think it's going to play out um, in court with everybody rushing to cut a deal with the feds and tell on all their buddies, right? It was the president that sent them. I think there was even, you know, uh, people testifying this week the people that day were saying that that's what they said the president invited them um let's talk corporate responsibility some more let, 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 let's stay on this just for a tiny little bit um it looks like amazon wants to push everybody off the block and and wants to start delivering weed to everybody nick did you read that well they're definitely positioning for that Long term, yes. I mean, you know, the baby steps were they said they're going to stop uh, doing drug screening for employees and they're going to uh, support legalization at the uh, federal level. And so, yeah, you have to think, you know, talking about supply chains that they can, you know, leverage theirs to get uh, weed in your mailbox or Amazon locker in a speedy fashion, right? Listen, as Mills stated in the 50s, right, corporations are the gatekeepers of America. And, you know, when, when everybody was worried a couple of weeks ago, and we had this conversation on the podcast about President Biden hiking the, uh, the corporate tax rate. And I laughed. I said, it's not going to happen. Like McConnell and Pelosi will get together and smoke a cigar with everybody and just cut up the pie and find a way to get it down. And of course, you know, that, that happened this week, right? He said he, President Biden said that he would be open to what he describes as significant revisions on the size of his infrastructure package. And, and one of those revisions is to not raise the corporate tax rate. And if anybody's paying attention to the way this country is run, uh, we kind of all saw that coming, right? It's an interesting one. I haven't had enough time to really read and digest. I mean, a couple of things I think were, were up in the air. And it's one of the reasons I haven't weighed in on it much in the past a couple of weeks is because I don't know what's going to happen. The, the budget in, uh, included. And so, you know, one of the things is, you know, cutting the size of the package down nearly in half with 700 uh, billion or something down, you know, from 1.7 trillion down to just 1 trillion or something like that. Just. <laughs> uh, exactly. And then, you know, you talk about getting rid of the corporate tax hikes. But the other way that that's being framed from the other side is a floor is being put in uh, on the other side. So the the way to, to look at that, at least, then again, I haven't read about it entirely, is that trying to get some of these corporations that pay none to pay some. Uh, by putting in the 15% floor. Now, again, you know, I'm as cynical as you are, Gerardo, so we'll see uh, what happens, like you say, when the cigars get smoked and it all gets carved up. But um, yeah, 
it, certainly they didn't go through with the the increase on the on the high end of the the corporate tax rate. So I'm interested to see what happens with this four because uh, again I've said it a, a ton of times. I would certainly rather mop up that money. There's a ton of money sitting there, and now you're going to make me find the article that that came out this week about the. Um, the G7 negotiations for a global corporate tax rate. No, well, you will no. get there in a second. I didn't see that. So you're going to have to handle that. But I'm talking about the Viacom, the CBS was, oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, a report out, you know, that they, they, they skirted $4 billion by having, you know, offshore uh, havens and things. And like, this is easy money to, to soak up that we should be uh, going after. And I'll continue to say that. By skirted everybody, he means they laundered the money overseas. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Legally. And so, yeah, that brings me to, you know, a good question. How comfortable are we um, that the G7 finance ministers are expected to agree on a global minimum corporate tax rate of 15%? I am all for making sure that Everyone, right? Back to accountability and merit-based. Everyone is paying their, his, her fair share, especially corporations like the ones that are not, right? The Amazons, the Nikes, I mean, the Microsofts, you know the list. It's all the big names. Um, I do worry that we're coming together. And by coming together, it's them, not us. Um, it's not the citizenry, right? It's the politicians. And just arbitrarily deciding that we're now going to have a global framework by which taxes can just now be imposed. And again, I agree with the 15%. I, I, I actually think it's a, it's, it's, it's a damn good global tax rate, right? I just wish that this is something that every country would do on its own and the implementation of it on a global scale without the autonomy. That's the that's the part that worries me a bit. Um, we'll see how it goes, but it seems to have a lot of support. Um, there's a really good article in The Guardian that kind of breaks down um, how much an unpaid tax or underpaid tax um, the reform would bring. Again, I just, the cynical optimist part of me worries about the overreach because that's government's nature, right? In everything. Again, it's a it's a it's a big discussion, and so, uh, gosh, what do I want to talk about it. Let's talk about mining, I guess, because you know there's some new deals coming up that there's helping back the supply chains as well, simplify mm. the uh, supply chain of, of of mining by doing what well, mostly putting it on the blockchain. But in this respect, it would be you know tracking uh, things from. Uh, you know, or to smelter, to concentrate, or doré, or whatever it is. You know, to to shipping to end user, and so in in that way, you could attract lots of things. Um, you know, uh, security of source is this really coming from? You know, where it said it, it came from for uh, climate change, carbon tracking purposes. Uh, Etc. Uh, also, security of supply for you know theft, knowing where you know it is in the supply chain at all times, and then of course for you know rectifying things for for taxes and P and Ls and and invoices, uh, etc. So 
you know, it, that is already happening in, in multiple industries. And I'm just speaking about mining because it's, you know, one that I'm more for, uh, familiar with. And then you, I, I think you have to talk about, um, I should have written all of my points down. You have to talk about cryptocurrencies a little bit because, uh, you know, there's a fight on in the world, not just among actual currencies, you know, dollars and yen or yuan. Um, and you know what's going on there with the petrodollar and, and China and, and, and Russia, et cetera. But there's uh, also cryptocurrencies emerging that are um, globally fungible. And so um, one of the problems um, that that begets, and sorry, I'm going on a tangent here, is that you have all these, like you said, autonomous countries that have different currencies. And so they, they peg against uh, these emerging uh, cryptocurrencies differently. Am I making mm. sense so far? Am I making sense ab so far? Absolutely. No, and your point is timely. Jack Dorsey just said that, you know, working on Bitcoin is 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 what he says his most important work in life. So again, you know, yeah, crypto's had a boring week. I thought, you know, there was going to be a floor put in. It hasn't happened yet. I'm usually early, so it wouldn't surprise me if it happened in the next week or two. We've got to drop to 30,000. But anyhow, no, your point is spot on. And Jack Dorsey of Twitter agrees with you. Please, please, please continue. So in governments, I think are scared of this as well. You know, the, we heard the U.S. talking about a digital dollar. China's certainly working on a digital yuan. And so, you know, they want in on this. And mm -hmm. Specifically, they don't want out on their own currency game. Mm -hmm. uh, and so it... As part of that, and in order to make any sort of crypto or digital currency fungible across the thing, uh, you have to make, you know, and, and this is where your fears come in, some sort of global currency. And that also begets some sort of global taxation system, which mm -hmm. is uh, what you're talking about with this uh, theory here. And it's also why, um, you know, basically a battle is emerging and why people are so passionate about the cryptos and the what is it? The DeFi, right? Uh, the yep. decentralized finance, right? As a way to uh, skirt government and the government shakes its finger back and talks about, you know, gangs and, and drug dealers. But really, it's about accountability and, and tracking <laughs> and, and, and privacy and, and a new generation and this whole paradigm that we, basically we talk about all the time. But that's from a higher level, right? Yeah, because gangbangers and drug dealers don't use dollars. <laughs> fucking right. stupid shit that these people tell us that we're supposed to believe just like you know we're, we're told that you know the fed's going to continue we heard it this week from the fed the fed's going to continue to try to reach its two percent inflation target and meanwhile globally food prices are up for the 12 month 12th month in a row in may they're up 40 percent year over year and that's if you can get the stuff that you're looking for and so again, you know, if, we, if 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 the system is this, if this is the best that it can work, I am all for a new system. I just am not for a new system where it's government leading the way, right? Yeah, and it gets above my pay grade pretty quickly. Some of the things that I've been reading talk about, though, like the volatility of of Bitcoin and Ether, and 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 why you know they're not necessarily a good choice as well and you were talking about stable coins the other week and, yep. and maybe why stable coins make more sense but then you're again reliant on government uh currencies so no it's all very uh interesting and we get to see it play out in in real time so um 
Get your poppy swaps. That's what my buddies were texting me about this week. That's the new one, Gerardo. Your poppy swaps. Poppy swaps? <laughs> I don't, there's new ones all the time. Who knows, man? <laughs> I want to go to New York just to just to say that to a couple of people. Hey, where you? I get some poppy swaps, ma. <laughs> <laughs> the hell is a poppy swap nick no idea you know one of these shit coins who knows <laughs> ah i might buy some of that just for kicks <laughs> what are you watching in the market this week nick gosh i'm still watching cannabis stocks in gerardo the yeah, the, 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 yeah. Hit, the, hit, the hits keep on coming with the the buyouts and they're consolidating really really nice and and some of the better ones have reported earnings in the past couple of weeks and, and pretty good earnings for the uh, U.S. multi-state operators, like up 20, 25 percent of revenue sequentially, not year over year, like quarter to quarter. And so anyway, uh, there's a couple of good cannabis names to look at. Uh, helium deal that, that we talked about recently that um, I don't want to talk about the, the name of yet is, is trading quite well. I'm excited about that. Silver, which we Y'all are going to pay for that one. Sorry to interrupt. Yeah. yeah you're Silver, which we haven't free. talked about at all, is interesting. I mean, you know, back at 27 bucks is different than gold. And so um, I think silver is still something to watch for sure. Yeah, no, and look, the deal flow has been phenomenal on on your end of it. Um, I, I joked earlier this week, yeah, you sent over a deal that looked great at twenty five cents. Sure enough, I, I don't know what it closed at today, but I know it was like fifty two cents yesterday. And I said, "Well, man, it looks pretty damn attractive at a fifty five percent discount with a warrant, right?" And you reminded me that you had, and and I still don't remember you sending it my way, by the way. But I, it's probably I spaced it, right? But you reminded me that you offered me that deal back at ten cents, and so I'm sitting there going. Huh, I completely spaced it. I don't recall it, but again, the 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 advantage and the leverage that you get when you have a real network that offers real private deals, not the crowdsourced, crowdfunded, fake private deals that, that people pitch all the time to people. Um real deals is 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 pretty spectacular. And I encourage I'm gonna talk our book now for a little bit. I encourage anyone that's an accredited investor that meets that that definition. Um to, to, to pay the three, four, five thousand dollars that a service like Mr. Hodge, Hodge's uh, family office gets you, uh, because you'll you'll make that up, <laughs> you'll make that up pretty quickly, um, and it doesn't mean they all work because we know what the markets do. But in this market, it's been phenomenal to see the run that you've been on, Nick, and and you should be commended for that. Congrats. Well, I appreciate it. That silver deal closed at 55 cents today. And so, yeah, that financing will be, uh, has been cut off. You know, that's just got to get the funds and the docs in now. And so, um, thanks. Yeah, no. And then look, ha- happy friends. There's a, have a gentleman too, a couple actually that, that participated in that deal. And, you know, they texted me and <laughs> like, am I reading this right? Like, is that thing like 50, this was yesterday, 52 cents already? Yeah. And I was like, Wow. Why didn't you tell me this before? I mean, you never asked. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm telling all of you for free out there, uh, go to Daily Profit Cycle, go to publications, look at the publications that that we offer. And and I I, I think it's it's top tier and it's, it's the best bang for your buck if you're able. Uh, to afford it and 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 you're accredited and that's it you got more deals in the pipeline nick i don't know i'm sending you the one where i in march where i offered it to you <laughs> oh no no i believe you <laughs> it's not a matter of trust i'm just saying i don't remember it i completely spaced it out 
Um, I'm waiting on a copper deal that's uh, halted, and you know we talked about copper already. So uh, a space I I uh, really like, and so um, that's one that's coming. Um, I guess I would also just reiterate that. Um, and I'm going to go off on a tangent. You got me on a tangent day, Gerardo. I, I love it. It's usually me. You, there's other ways to, <laughs> to affect strategies in the market, right? Like, and I'll give you just a story of my buddy who, uh, you know, he can do private deals. Like your buddy, I'm sure, you know, he can yeah. do private deals. He can write checks if he wants. He's yeah. a business owner. He's got capital. But, you know, he's yep. also got three kids and he's got to run his own business. And, you know, he's never dealt with subscription documents and 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 brokers and he's not sure if he wants to, to yep. do that right and, yep and you know i tell him you you don't have to do that right there's other ways to to buy copper to buy uh silver it's not you know that that's not the only way to to invest i think and, and i'm guilty of it too you know i invest this way a lot and so you know i'm as guilty as the next person but there's a myriad of ways and, and strategies out there to Go about buying whatever it is, silver, copper, um, any number of uh, commodities. It's just that, and it's what you said earlier, it's that, you know, that leverage in that early state deal flow, it really is like venture capital in that respect. And so, um, you know, you just have to know that that's, you know, what you're leaving on the table when you're not doing uh, uh, private deals. And that's totally fine. Again, they're reserved for accredited investors anyway. So there's a whole portion of people that can't even do them. But um, anyway, yeah, a lot of ways to skin a cat, I guess. Yeah, which is a whole nother discussion, right? With so much risk in the market, it's absolutely obscene to me that anybody that's willing to risk, now this is the capitalist in me speaking, that's willing to risk their hard-earned capital isn't able to because they don't meet a certain income threshold. And so they're deemed not as intelligent or able to gauge risk, right? You have people, um, you know, my childhood, my background wasn't the, 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 the leave it to beaver background. And so when I look at my life and I look back and I look at all the risk reward, critical thinking skills that, that, that I had to develop, right? Um, just growing up where I grew up and how I grew up. It's offensive for me to think that some guy in an office, you know, sharpening his pencil, thinks I'm not qualified enough to gauge risk as it relates to my own money. And I know that there's a push to, to, to maybe change some of those rules. Um, I've, 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 got, I've, I've got you on a couple of tangents today. Can I get your thoughts on that? And then, then we'll close it out here in just a bit. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the reason that, you know, companies do private placements is they're generally... Uh, early stage companies often in in pre-revenue position, right? And that's obviously lends itself to the resource space where you need to spend money to find a resource or, you know, find a deposit and improve its economic viability. And medical technology and biotech where you got a heavy R&D and you got to uh, raise money for that. And it behooves the company to to raise money in a private fashion because it lowers costs. They don't have to file a, a prospectus, which costs a, a lot of money, right? And that's why these shares are restricted because no prospectus was filed. In a nutshell, I'm glossing over some details here, but that's why they're restricted shares and that's why they're uh, only accredited investors can participate. And so 
but what's happened is everybody's onto this game now. Uh, you know, everybody's got a private placement letter. Everybody's got a private deal you can invest in. And uh, there's different tiers, tiers of private deals. I don't want to talk about that here. That's part of the push, as you mentioned, to um, let more people into these via crowdsourcing and different uh, regulations that can get people into um, unregistered uh, securities. But, uh, you know, what happens now is, and I'm really going to go off on a tangent, is I'm starting to see, <laughs> de- I'm starting to see deals, literally deals yeah. pitched to me for companies that facilitate private placements, like platforms for private placements. So I'm starting to think to myself, I thought the whole point of raising money privately was like to cut out the middleman. Why do I need a platform that I need to put my deal on to get people to invest? And so because they don't have the network, Nick. You know the answer to your question. Yeah, but it, but it's sort of it's sort of like the the snake eating its its tail in that respect. Because um, if everyone's can do a private placement, which is the question you asked me, you know, why can't everyone invest in these? And it's like, well, then it's not a, it's not a private private placement at all. And, and you know that might be um, where we're going. And I'm going to go back to cryptocurrencies because of the cost of capital is so. Cheap if interest rates are so low and everybody's uh, flush with cash and uh, commissions are zero and and we can move capital back and forth and document it on the blockchain. You know why can't a company just announce it's it's raising money and and everything gets uh, settled? You got my sub docs on the blockchain. Everything's verified and I transfer you over the the right amount and it's everybody can participate right and. Um, it goes back to, again, it's a tangent-filled podcast. Sorry about that. The, the global tax conversation we had a, a couple of minutes ago and the breaking down of uh, barriers in the, in the financial world that, that's, that's coming and the cutting out of middlemen and the building of new platforms, et cetera. Anyway, I don't know if that answered your question, but those, those were my thoughts. Nope. It answers it beautifully. Um, I'll leave it there. I'll tell you what I'm watching. I'm watching... The elections in Peru on Sunday, which will be yesterday by the time you all hear this. And so I was encouraged. We talked a bit off air. I was encouraged that some of the Peruvian explorers closed on on, on a high note today going into the weekend. And so, you know, the narrative there is that Castillo, the left-leaning not self-described socialist. That's something that some of his political foes, according to him, have burdened him with. Um you know, the thinking is and the way he's been painted is that if he wins, he'll come in and be very, very challenging for miners and explorers in the country. And then, you know, you have the other candidate, um, which which is very pro-business and it's the complete opposite. A lot of people have this for Castillo. I am not so sure. We'll know by the time you listen to this. But again, I was encouraged by the market reaction going into the close. And we'll see if someone knows something because someone always does, right? It's very consequential. And so um, a lot of politics going on in the copper market. And uh, I'm very interested to see as well. Agreed. Agreed. Mr. Hodge, anything else you want to get off your chest? No, I think that's it. That was a pretty good conversation. It was, as usual, very, very satisfying, Nick. Thank you. I'm glad you're satisfied. I am Traverto Del Real. You've been listening to me and my co-host, Mr. Nick Hodge. This was episode 120 of Bizarro World. Go do something nice for yourself, for your family, for a friend, for a stranger. Just do something nice. Nick, any words of wisdom? Send us off. 
No, that sounded pretty good. See ya. Poppy swaps. <laughs>